And there was almost like a, the feeling of a presence over here on my left. Mm. And it was just going through my body. Like I could navigate through, it was bringing up different, different things and almost like these like little like quizzes of like, is this scary? No, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's totally fine. And you're just like, it's like this process of letting go through small stories and yeah, analogies illusions. and riddles. And yeah. you're just like, boom, it's like popping and that's letting go and that's letting go. And you're just like, I'm like laughing and kind of like crying and just like, Phew. like there's just so much, yeah. such a release. Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trip On This. My next guest is Shane Heath. Shane is the founder and CEO of Mudwater. Mudwater is a coffee substitute that uses medicinal mushrooms and chai as kind of the main ingredients. But this isn't just about the product, right? Shane has an incredible story about why. And there is a substance that we don't talk about very often on, on Trip on This, and that is caffeine you know, and how powerful caffeine is as a stimulant and how much it can affect our sleep and our anxiety and different things like this. And so Shane gets into his whole story around his own coffee addiction and really what led him to creating Mudwater. Spoiler alert, ayahuasca and his plant medicine journeys were a part of his Mm, new venture, if you will. He never anticipated that he would ever get into a consumer good product business. And I just love stories like that where people have would have no clue or would never think that they would end up where they end up. And yep, the universe has like, you know, the universe knows what it's doing and guides them to wherever they need to be. So it's one of those fun stories where he thought it was going to go one place and he ended up getting taken on a whole new journey called Mudwater. Shane is also a fine artist and oh my goodness gracious, I'm going to link all the socials in this and everyone, please go check out his work. It is not only so artistically stunning, but all of his work has such an incredible message around it. It's layers and layers and layers, and he's got some super cool videos even around his process of creation, which I'll also link because they are just fun to watch. So I hope everyone enjoys this episode. And a few announcements before we get into this one. This is closing out season two of Trip On This. Thank you, Shane. You are closing my season two. It has been so much fun on this round. And I am going on a small hiatus with season three, ideally coming out either late August or early September. She'll be nice and fresh and ready to go. So super excited about that. Uh, So just wanted to give everyone a heads up. And then, of course, if you're not following me on socials, now is definitely the time. I'll still probably be posting there and keeping guys up to date. So if you still want to hang out in this, you know, next month that I'm not going to be on trip on this, I would love to have you there. So with that, please enjoy this next episode, the last episode of season two with my guest, Shane Heath. Shane Heath, welcome to Trip On This. Hey, thanks for having me. As I was kind of looking at your story, I particularly like stories where people would have no idea where they were going, right? You're a fine artist. You were a lead designer in Silicon Valley. Was it Mm -hmm. a major surprise for you that you ended up working in (laughs) launching a consumer product good brand with Mudwater? Well, maybe like an added dimension to that is like, I never really spent time in the kitchen either. <laughs> like really? Making food, all of that. Yeah. So being in like the CPG food and beverage space, I, I laugh about it quite often. But when you when you do kind of connect the dots in reverse, it does make a lot of sense, honestly. Yeah. Well, that's exactly where I want to start. But before we do mm-hmm. that, let's just set the stage for everyone. And first, what is Mudwater? And then we're going to kick it back to what this entrepreneurial journey was to get here. Cool. Yeah. So Mudwater is a company that we, we create content, products, experiences that evolve how we rise and rest. For the last three years, if, if you've heard of us, you probably know of us as being a coffee alternative 
and we have a coffee alternative product that combines cacao and masala chai with turmeric and cinnamon, reishi, lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps. Um, and then we recently launched an evening ritual product. Mm -hmm. So that one has a masala chai, but using a rooibos tea that has turmeric and cinnamon as well. So a similar flavor palette does have some mushrooms and reishi and turkey tail, but then combines passion flower, valerian root, ashwagandha in, in a chamomile. So that's all oriented around sleep. I would say that they're both oriented around morning ritual because the best morning ritual starts the night before. But yeah, ultimately that's what we're interested in. We're, we're interested in involving how we rise and rest. And it would it was all stemming from a problem that I had with that very thing. Perfect. That's the perfect place. to so now let's kick it back to where did this journey begin? And what really for you was the catalyst to mm -hmm. wanting to create Mudwater? Yeah, so maybe rewind, I was... I was working in Silicon Valley 2013, 14, um, living a really healthy life uh, inside and outside of the office, at least so I thought. I was working most of the day. I'd come home and train jujitsu at night, um, which is a pretty strenuous physical mm -hmm. activity. And to support both of those things, I was eating a really healthy diet and also pursuing a fine art career on the side. So had a lot of things going on, deeply ambitious, and uh, was using caffeine to help me do more and do it faster. And um, at the time, for me, I thought caffeine was was great. I thought it was a performance enhancer. Um, everyone was drinking it. Everyone was doing it. It was everywhere too. Yeah. So it was easy easy to to get more. And I, you know, would drink drink a big cup in the morning, drink one at noon, come home from work, drink a pre workout. So I was just drinking hundreds of milligrams of caffeine every wow. day, yeah, with no understanding of like how that could impact my my mind, my sleep, and then sort of the cascade of things that all kind of bake into that. Yeah. How was your um, adrenaline system at that time? Like, obviously you were doing like very high impact sports, but then you're also calming it. But could you feel like your adrenals under pressure when you were under, like yeah. when you were in a stressed position, maybe you had a deadline, how would that feel on your body with that much caffeine? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was kind of the thing, right? I, I started, I, so it's a combination of, I've always struggled with anxiety and depression coming into like freshman year in high school, I, I had a psychedelic experience actually then when I was like 14 and a half. Wow. Long story. Maybe we can dive in on it later. <laughs> yeah. It's like, one of my questions like a, for you. <laughs> I built a 14 foot tall bong and I had no idea what smoking really was, but i started smoking with my friends and got way too high and was not prepared for <laughs> what that meant. A at 14 all. foot bong a, was your first, wait, your first kid. time was the 14 foot bong? No, I was like, dude, I smoke weed now. So like, let's, it's, it's 420. Let's build a huge bong. <laughs> like, <just> like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I feel like everyone's always been at the place. Like there's gotta be at least one time that you get like way too high, way too high. And it's zero fun to get out of. Oh yeah. And when you're 14 years old, um, <laughs> yeah. you don't have a lot of tool. You don't have a lot of tools in your tool belt, uh, psychologically <laughs> yeah. to kind of navigate through that yeah, in the yeah. moment, but then afterwards too. And I think I, I was already sort of predisposed to some of that, but that kind of put me down this interesting path where it was like, I, I just became very introspective. I became very curious about life and that state of mind made me feel very anxious and at times lost and depressed, lonely, all of these things. So I wouldn't say it was like a bad thing. In mm -hmm. fact, a lot of, a lot of that is what made me who I am today and um, makes me a very curious person and reflective, but but it is tough and it was tough, especially back then. And as I grew up, it, I noticed it was also tough because I had no idea if other people were dealing with the same thing, yeah. you know, like, and especially with men, it's, you don't really talk about your, your feelings. You don't talk about these kind of like deeper philosophical yeah. reflections that you're having. And so you kind of hold it in and then you, you're led to believe that maybe you're the only person in the world feeling mm -hmm. that way. And like maybe I just need to talk to a psychiatrist. Or yeah, something. and and the thing is, it, it's only recent that we're really able to have the mental health conversation that we did, right? I feel like oh, yeah. this is within the last five years that I feel like there's just a real openness, especially for men, like you were saying, that just the willingness mm -hmm. to say like I need help and that's okay. But yeah, for me too, growing up, <clears> you didn't ever hear about that because then you, there was always the fear of being, you know, ostracized in some way. Yeah, it was like, it'd be admitting that like something was wrong with you, right? Or like you have some weakness or yeah, yeah you you can't handle the world or something like that. Right, so you right. definitely want to hide that. 
maybe just talk about that with your doctor and your doctor's going to sell you drugs. Um, Right. Right. um, So yeah, that was kind of me. I was, I was experiencing a lot of adrenaline, I guess you could say, and didn't have a lot of tools and all of those things that I was feeling like earlier in my adult life, I was very aware of now. And I think I was maybe uniquely incentivized to really look at like coffee, caffeine and, and other things that I was doing that might be contributing um, because I was, I had experienced it early on in life, but then also because I'm like spending time sitting in front of a canvas in solitude and like really like feeling what creativity feels like through my body and, you know, literally seeing like caffeine jitters on my hand or something mm, like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so for me, I was like, creativity is, is everything for me. Like the, my line of work it's not about raw hours. I, you know, I do work a lot of hours and did work a lot of hours, but I could work eight hours one day. I could work eight hours the next day. And my, what I actually accomplished in those days could be completely different. And that was based on how I was able to kind of make connections between abstract thoughts, which is sort of creativity, but also how I was managing my workload. I wasn't just scrambling, like freaking Mm -hmm. out. I was calm and able to navigate it in a way that was the most efficient. So I started to notice these things, like my lifestyle, stress is not a a good thing for it. Um, And and I would say most, for most people, but for me, I was just thinking about myself because everybody else seemed to be doing just fine and there was Mm -hmm. no conversations being had. And I was just like, I can't. Sorry, I was gonna say, so they said that they were doing fine. Yeah, so they said, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I can't handle this. And, Having that realization, I'm not going to lie, it didn't make it easier to to change because it's so woven into culture. Mm-hmm. So like I would I would actually like stop drinking caffeine and really focus on my sleep for a couple of weeks. Maybe I'd start feeling better. And and then I would be like, oh, I'm fine now. I can go grab a cup of coffee. And it would start this cycle where I'd be offsetting shitty sleep with caffeine that caused shitty sleep and then start wondering what's going on and then reset right. it. So kept kind of like, falling back and forth. And it, it wasn't until I took a, a leave of absence from work um, and got invited to do an artist in residency in Goa, India for like five months and, and work on a series of work and at an art show in Goa and Bombay. But I was for the first time in my life out of the country and for the first time in five years disconnected from this like hustle culture, yeah. Silicon Valley work. And now it's just like on this beach in Goa, India um, near Arambol and around a bunch of creative people with a completely different lifestyle and cadence and, you know, surrounded by different smells, sights, music, you know, wow. interests, all of these things. So it was just kind of like repatterning my mind. It was a complete mm-hmm. like shaking up of my snow globe event that allowed me to look at a lot of those patterns that I had with a completely new lens of seeing like, oh, that's an amazing pattern for me. <laughs> and that maybe isn't. Right. Or, this habit is something that is really aligned and and I'm doing it consciously, but this habit is something that was sort of just prescribed to me by culture and I didn't even realize it. And now I'm just doing it because everyone's doing it, Mm -hmm. which was like super profound. It sounds like it. I mean, that's, that's really when I started to feel empowered to discover like who Shane was, not like who Shane was under the context of also this tether to like my parents, religion, friends, mm-hmm. teachers, culture, all of that stuff and um, started to navigate the world. What, truth. A, what a gift that is to be able to have a pattern interrupt like that and also to be in a creative space and in a new culture. And did you always have a sense of mindfulness to even be aware of those patterns? Like, did you have a meditation practice? Because yeah. I think it's, I think the the brilliant part is not only just being like, wow, I feel good, but actually really being like, oh, I'm, I had aware been adopting, yeah, aware. Like I've been adopting a lot of patterns that didn't feel yeah. good within me. And, and then how do I bring it back? Right. How do I, how do I maintain this feeling and whatever I'm doing? How was that journey for you being like, all right, I don't want to go back into hustle culture. Right. I've just learned what feels good in myself but I got a world, I'm going back to a world that is telling you that if you are not working a ridiculous amount of hours, you're not doing it right. Right. There's right, like right. such an emphasis on like, you know, that work till you die. Right. Well, like your first question was like, was I aware of it? And I, yeah, I, I think because of just who I, how I was 
looking at myself in my life at that time, I was pretty aware of how things were making me feel and how I was feeling in general and um, had a kind of like internal dialogue around those things. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that started with that initial psychedelic trip where all of a sudden, like I was looking at like reality in kind of a different way. Mm -hmm. I was confused by it, completely confused. And it took years of integration, really. Um, I didn't even know what that meant at 14, but like uh, looking back, that's what it it was like that feeling things that I was going through just part of the integration process. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in college, I went through a phase of just kind of like party mode and, and sort of forgetting a lot of that and losing sight of who I was just kind of like going with the crowd. Like I'm a student and I'm going to party and blah, blah, blah. Ended up going through a breakup, but then having a roommate, uh, commit suicide oh, um, wow. in, in my junior year. And it was just like a huge, also like shaking up of the snow globe, like yeah. slap in the face. Like what, like I wasn't really aware of either of those things like happening or like that they could happen or were going to happen. Yeah. I was just kind of like living my life without a lot of awareness in yeah. general. And so that caused me to reflect and it, it sort of brought back a lot of the the earlier introspection that I was going through when I was coming into coming into high school, and, and I actually started to to meditate. Then I started, um, you know, I was living in a house full of like amazing best friends who I'm still friends with to today. Today, but we were just like college party kids living on the beach yeah. in Mission Beach, like having a blast, whatever. And they continued on, and we continued to live together. But I started to kind of explore some other things. I I did an Ayurvedic cleanse and was just like, they were like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I was, yeah. Like the, the fridge was full of, I remember one time the fridge was full of pizza and like Pabst blue ribbon. Yeah. And, and then there was like Shane's shelf and it had like some weird like barks and like different <laughs> like herbs and things. <laughs> it was just, it was hilarious. And I, but I was like, I don't, I don't really care. Like we just had a friend commit suicide and like I want to figure out what life is really all about and like partying is fun and I'll do that sometimes but this is like I just felt a deep calling to explore then and so by the time I I uh, got to Goa and started to kind of unlearn to relearn um, I was pretty I was pretty ready for it and I was definitely aware of it and had a meditation practice and um, some breath work practice and Luckily, one of the other artists who was there had a kundalini practice that I wasn't aware of mm-hmm. or I'd never done. And so we, we were doing like some kriyas on the beach every morning and doing things like that. So, yeah, it was there was a incubation around me that was kind of supporting yeah. that journey of introspection. But it definitely didn't happen overnight. Like it of was course. it was a long and it's still happening. It's not like yeah, I'm like, of course. Yeah. Not like awakened by any means. Um, it's, a, it's a long journey. It's probably an endless ride. And just feels like a, a constant ceremony just being had at different scales of life. Mm, that is so beautiful. So you are now in a, a pretty big shift. The universe has lined you up with an experience that you were ready for. You had done the work to be ready to receive that, that experience in India. Now you're coming back. When does mud water begin? Right. Is it, did, it, did it start with India? So yeah, it's interesting and, and maybe in some ways, yes, but following the the residency that I did, I did some traveling afterwards and it was sort of kicked off by a one month trip to this remote island chain, um, sort of in between India and I guess Thailand. Um, I'm going to not name the name because it's a pretty special place, but okay. you can, you can look around and find it. Tell me later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it was actually, um, introduced to me because there's a really good surf spot there, mm-hmm. but it's extremely remote. So you fly like, you know, it's like an eight hour flight from Mumbai, you land, and then there's a 12 hour ferry ride, like through the ocean down to this remote island chain. And this one island that you go to super remote, um, there, there are people living there. There's a small town there, um, but there is no Wi-Fi like cellular service or anything. So I was completely off the grid and mm-hmm. there's, um, there's power. So like you go get food at night, but there's no like city. There's like a couple of places yeah. to go get food. And then you're, you're staying in like a, literally a shack for a dollar a night. Whoa. Um, How long were you there for? One month. One month. Dang, and that there's, must be but cool. there's, there might be like 
you know, there was eight other travelers there to surf this wave. And so you have that little community. But other than that, you're just waking up at sunrise, surfing, going to eat, going to bed at sunset, just re- rinse and repeat. Yeah. And that was a really special time. And I think in many ways that that's where, you know, in some way, indirect ways where Mudwater started or where my future started to change. Uh, I, I was very into Joe Dispenza at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Reading you are the placebo and whatnot. And I was doing his, his meditations, which I'm not sure if you've done, but they're like, only once. To 90, they're an hour to 90 minutes. And they're really different from like a traditional, like sit down and just like listen to nice, like singing bowls or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually work. And you're, at least from my perspective, it's work. Uh, you're priming your mind. So there's a phase of priming your mind and there's a phase of doing like deep visualization. And it's very difficult at first, at least for me, visualizing things and creating belief like a belief state in your body where you actually are generating feelings just off thought alone yeah is not just something that is like inherently accessible to a lot of people that's not but it is it is accessible to all people i think Um, but it just takes practice and that's why i was i was calling it work at the beginning and in these exercises it's like it's putting you into the state and getting you to to explore that and i built this muscle of visualization and just started to feel into what i wanted to I guess you can quote unquote manifest or whatever, if you're into the secret, mm-hmm. but it's really like, it's a tuning to the feeling state that you want to feel. It's less about the actual things that you want in your life. It's mm-hmm. how you like, what do you want to feel about your financial situation? What do you want to feel about your work life? What do you want to feel about your relationships or whatnot? Mm-hmm. What it actually looks like doesn't really matter if it makes you feel the way you want it to feel. Right. Absolutely. That's um, that, It goes back to like the ego thinks it knows what it wants but like, does it? I always said that mm-hmm. before I would be like, I, I think I need, you know, this relationship or this job. And like, then I would get it and I'd be like, okay, so that wasn't it in terms of like yeah. the, the, there was still this like, wait, that's the, a seeking that there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, it really, I do the, a very similar thing is like, I'm just always trying to align my intention to, you know, what my, my happiest life, my most joyful life, my most peaceful life, like my most pleasurable yeah. life, free life, right? Like whatever that is and just allowing for the, the the mystery and the incredible magnitude of the universe to then bring that into my life in the way that I actually need it as opposed to what I think I want because like cat, small self cat has no clue, no idea, yeah, yeah. you know? Totally. No, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that as well. I yeah, it's it's a it's a big thing. It's a tricky thing um, to explain, and sometimes sounds very woo woo. But the way I I view it is, I'm a I'm attuning to the feeling state I want to I want to find, and if I have that, that's just sort of a compass. It's not that all of a sudden I'm going to wake up and that the world is going to make it for me. It's more it's a it's a participatory experience. Like you, we're not spectators in life. Um, but having an idea of where you want to go will attune your mind to the signs, to the opportunities that actually lead you there. Whereas if you have no idea where you want to go, or, or maybe you, you have this like fixed idea of like, you need a Lamborghini for whatever reason, um, it's going to lead you in some, like, it might lead you in that direction, but it might not lead you to how you want to feel in the end. Um, and then if you don't have any idea where you want to go, you're just being led by whatever, by yeah. ads, media, what culture is kind of telling you how you should feel or mm-hmm. want and living day to day. So I'm a big believer in really grounding into feeling states like five years out where, where, do, what's the direction I want my life to go. And then I'm just at that point, letting it go and watching life happen and trying to be tuned into little opportunities and signs yeah. and just being like, is that, is that headed? Is that does that feel like it's harmonizing with that feeling that yeah. I'm going for? Yeah, yeah. Yes or no? I love that. It allows me to make it allows me to make decisions based off of heart and intuition and and very quickly. Like there's not a lot of indecision. So I mean, I didn't know this before, but that's like what I learned there. I was kind of just mm-hmm. doing these exercises over and over every day, and it wasn't easy. Like I didn't really look forward to it, but I didn't really have anything else to do, so I was just doing it. And yeah. Spent a spent a month doing that surfing, blah 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 came home from this trip and just started to let life unfold. Um, I moved to LA and joined a a tech startup and was working on like a B2B 
SaaS tech product. Like mm -hmm. we don't need to talk about that. But <laughs> in that time, it was when I was, I started to look at these different rituals and patterns in my life that I used to have. I started to look at like what I wanted to reintroduce there, what I wanted to take away. And one of the, the things that I really loved was having that buffer between the sleep state and the creative state for me. It was mm -hmm. really important. You know, there's meditation, there's breath work, but also having something to drink, like some sort of sacrament was like an amazing symbol, something to look forward to and something to kind of like start to trigger that creativity. Mm -hmm. And for me, for many years, that was a huge cup of caffeine, essentially, with maybe some antioxidants, yeah. like all coffee really is. And I started to be like, maybe my morning ritual could be more than just that. And that's when mud started before it was a company. That's just when it started as something that could help me in life. And so I started to add all of the, the ingredients and would just mix it up in like a big cup, just like I still do today mm -hmm. and go about my day. And I was like, I feel fucking awesome. But I imagined everyone else just felt awesome on coffee. And I was like, cool, now I get it. But I just have to drink this because I was dealt a bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Bad, yeah. Hand, a, hand, a, hand, a, hand a cards. Everybody else is fine, but I just can't tolerate caffeine. Yeah. And so mud as a business really started when I actually realized that that was false. It was when I would bring this drink around with me to the office, to the gym, to the burning man, whatever. And people would come up to me and they're like, what, like, what are you mixing up over there? And I'd be like, it's mud. It was just like a joke. It was like, cause it looked brown. interesting. I would, have chunks <laughs> yeah, of chaga, yeah. I would have chunks of chaga floating in this like brown sludgy drink yeah and they're like yeah it makes sense but like what is that i'm like yeah i don't drink coffee anymore because it makes me really jittery and anxious and like i don't sleep well and they're like no way like me too i'm trying to drink less and trying to quit my afternoon cup or trying to quit all together and i was like holy shit like everyone drinks coffee but everyone who i talk to wants to reorient their relationship with it yeah in some in some way like literally everyone like no one was like yeah, I'm trying to drink more coffee and trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out how to get more in my system. Yeah, it was like trying to up like, my dose. Oh my god, I'm like a, I'm like addicted. Blah blah blah. So that that was really the aha moment for me. Was okay. Everyone like this. The substance is normalized. We've taken a drug, which is caffeine, mm -hmm. and we've disguised it as a beverage in the form of coffee or energy drinks. We don't list how much caffeine is in it, even though it is a drug and like all drugs, dose makes the poison. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you have this culture that's addicted to this substance. And yeah. it's not only like normalized, but it's actually aspirational. Yeah. Like sleep deprivation, sleep when you're dead, like it's aspirational, yeah. hustle, all this stuff. And it's kind of perpetuating the state. And I noticed that I wasn't the only one suffering. Like we li were literally living in a mental health epidemic. Yeah. Like one in two people are going to get diagnosed with a mental health disorder anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. prescription pills, like all these things are on the rise. Like there's a, there's a problem going on yeah. and it's not a part of it. Like that shouldn't be a part of normal life. Like, mm -hmm. and so that means it has to do with something that we're doing as just like this innate part of existence, whether that's deprioritizing sleep or being addicted to stimulants yeah, all day. It's, I feel like it's <laughs> like, even rooted below that though. It's fear, right? It's like fear falling yeah. behind fear of not mm -hmm. doing enough, fear of somebody, the not competition, enough, yeah. you know, fear yeah. of whatever. And so we tell ourselves that we can sacrifice our body, which is true. We tell ourselves that we can sacrifice our well-being in order to survive because we're in survival mode still. We have not gotten into the frequency that we can actually thrive, that we can actually rest, that we're actually, we're better, uh, we're better at all performance when we're rested. Actually, when you're calm and grounded, oh, yeah. <clears throat> you think better, you make better decisions, right? It actually is better, but because we're not operating, most of us are operating from such a fear-based place. That is what normalizes the yeah, don't sleep because somebody's just going to catch your dream. Somebody's going to take what's yours. Right. You know, what a terrible message. And, and that's, and that's, uh, yeah, it's like ego death, right? So yeah. like on a emotional or spiritual level, people really do feel like it's fighter. It's like fight or flight. Like it's like a death threat. If I'm not productive, I'm not good enough. If my, if my uh, bank account doesn't say this, I'm not good enough. So I need to literally like work myself to a pulp. Yeah. Um, when the, um, yeah, what you're saying about sleep, it's like the kind of like the best thing you can do to actually make those things happen in life, like be successful is sometimes doing nothing. 
by like yeah. sleeping and resting and actually making space for creative big picture ideas to come through. And as a culture, we're just now becoming aware of that. Yeah. Like I, I read a stat that even today, US medical doctors, they only receive three hours of of schooling on sleep. Three sleep hours is tied to every single physical, mental illness. Like if you are not sleeping well, you you will die. Like they use sleep deprivation as a torture yeah. device. And it, al- um, it, it also, yeah, it also your brain while you sleep, while you're in REM, basically, if you're thinking of like a computer, like it's going through and, and recycling files that it doesn't need. So it doesn't get really cluttered in your mind. Right. Like you actually, you, you need it so that you can actually like have a clear thought. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild about just all of it, you know, like with how much we are going against what we need ultimately. That's essentially why I became passionate about doing this was I started to, like, I knew how I felt when I wasn't sleeping well, when I was anxious, when I was depressed. And I, and I knew how I felt when I wasn't that way. Yeah. And when I started to notice that actually everybody wasn't all fine, (laughs) even though I thought everybody was fine. And I was like one of the, I was the only person that was struggling. Like a lot of people are struggling. They just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And in some, in some cases, they aren't even aware of it because they're not mm-hmm. even, they forgot what it actually feels like to feel normal. I was like that hundred yeah. percent like that. I didn't know until psychedelics, actually. I had no, I had no clue that I just, how I felt all the time, feeling anxious and nervous and always future oriented. And my adrenals were shot from all the caffeine I used to drink. And I didn't know any different. <clears throat> that was baseline because there was no way for me to compare. I never, I right. never started at a, you know, I was never, I went right into a really corporate scary job kind of, and I never yeah. knew any different. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are like that. And I, I was kind of on that path too. And, you know, psychedelics or travel, like there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that we can do in our lives that sort of allow us to reprogram or to unlearn and relearn, shake up the snow globe, whatever you want to yeah. call it. But ultimately it's almost the only thing that can get us to be able to see those patterns that are not serving us. And and so when I started this company, I I ended up starting it in May of 2018. And all of these things that we're talking about were were like the underlying why that was the the underlying purpose. Like, yes, we made a, I made a coffee alternative and the first like Instagrams and ads I was putting out was I'm not mad at coffee. I'm just disappointed. So I made something (laughs) better. Everything was built around this concept of like shaking up, the snow globe around mm-hmm. what everybody's doing to just allow them to have agency over their own actions and behaviors. Like yeah. whether that's drinking coffee, ca- tons of caffeine, totally cool. As long as you're aware of it, like totally. the, the lack yeah. of, the lack of self-awareness is, um, was for me, like where all the, the cascade of negative outcomes started coming, where I was just mm-hmm. like, not aware what was going on. I was, you know, in college partying and all of a sudden like a friend who's suffering from mental health, like, suicide for example and yeah. so these types of things are happening all the time i was just like this this product could be sort of this vessel for getting a lot of this message out into the world whether they drink the product or just hear the message and think different like that is a win for me yeah um 100%. yeah so launched it literally down the street here in venice beach nice. in my art studio i hear I, I hear ayahuasca i hear plant medicine was yeah part of this journey. Now, before I ask you about this specific trip where I was just like, ding, what was your relationship with psychedelics prior to this point? Like, did you, how do you mm-hmm. do them frequently? Or were you experienced? What, what was the vibe with psychedelics prior to the ayahuasca experience? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, respect and trepidation, I would say, is how I'd describe the, my uh, relationship with psychedelics. So I had, when I was 14 and a half, I had that psychedelic experience where it was just with, with cannabis, but 14 foot bong out of it a would 14 be. foot bong um, <laughs> at my, my friend's house and his sister came home and chased us out of the house. And it was like this chaos. And I literally was like seeing the world happen twice. And like, it was just like out of, out of control, like different dimensions, I had no idea what was going on. And, and so that made me a little bit afraid of psychedelics and yeah. afraid of, of altering my, my consciousness. And because I've, I had done that and didn't have the tools to really manage it, nor did I have the support system to integrate it. Mm -hmm. 
as, but I, I was still so, I was so interested. It was such an important life experience for me that at the same time I was very interested. Like it wasn't like I just, mm-hmm. I, I was like kind of like running away, but I was still like looking over like, but what was that? Like yeah. what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as I, as I got older, when I was in uh, working in Silicon Valley, like going through that time where I was kind of becoming more aware of, of how things were affecting my mental state, I started listening to podcasts, actually. So back in like 2014, 13, 14, um, podcasts were relatively new. At I was going to say the early days. In my awareness. Uh, and I had this com- crazy commute from San Francisco to Mountain View that I was like, this is the worst thing ever. But I was just trying to make it in, in my career and it was a good opportunity. So I did it like an hour and a half each way. And to pass the time, I started listening to this new thing called podcasts. I was like, what the, what is, what is a podcast? Yeah. And lo and behold, turn on a podcast called the Joe Rogan experience, right? I've never <laughs> like, heard of it. Tell me about never it. Never heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> just cool podcast. No. So it was episode like this is how early it was episode of 127. Wow. Was, He's at like yeah. 1600 or something, right? Something crazy. So yeah, I, I tune into this podcast. No idea really what a podcast was. I'd listened to books on tape and things like that. Mm-hmm. Audio books. Never was that into it because it was just, it felt all strict and constrained. And all of a sudden I'm listening to two people just like talking like we are right now. Yeah. Um, talking about life, talking about whatever. It just so happened he was talking to Aubrey Marcus, who's the founder of Onnit. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you know who he is. Mm-hmm. And Aubrey was coming on to talk about his first ayahuasca experience. I had no idea what ayahuasca was. I really didn't, wasn't, I, I'd done some mushrooms at the time and had one amazing like uh, psychedelic trip on mushrooms, but I really wasn't well-versed here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Aubrey Marcus is talking about like seeing dragons and diving into his past and present and all these things. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, there are other people out there that are talking about this stuff. And dealing with mental health and exploring. And, you know, I was like, my friend group, when we hung out, we don't talk about this stuff. But all of a sudden, I felt like I was almost in a little circle of people talking about this stuff. And it gave me a lot of relief. I was like, whoa, there's like, I don't just have to keep this psychedelic thing as this experience I had. And I can't ever explore it because it's too scary. No one out, there's no one there to support. There's actually a lot of people exploring this stuff. And so that was kind of my first introduction to like diving in to learn more. And I ended up, I was so excited about this podcast that I took it to my friend's house uh, later that week. And we all, we, I was like, you guys, have you heard of a podcast? And they're like, no, I'm like <laughs> it's two people just talking about stuff. <laughs> and they're talking about they're like revolutionary in, in Peru. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they're like, all right. And we literally like put it on their, his, his speakers at his house. And we like sipped tea and like listened to it. And one of my friends three weeks later, like flying to Peru. No way. Drink ayahuasca. Yeah. You know, what's crazy. Just to put a quick pin in that too, or, or just Aubrey Marcus. I, when I did my ayahuasca experience, I didn't know anybody in my circle that had ever done that. And I was, I was, I kept it to myself because I didn't want people to scare me with their own opinions and things. Right. And I had the exact same feeling. And this is like later now that I was listening to him. And I felt like finally I was like, Oh my God, people, thank you to Aubrey for being able to like vocalize all of his emotions really well. He's just an, he's just a master communicator. Right. And then mm-hmm. talking about plant medicines and like validating so much of my experience. And I was just like, wow. Okay. Exactly. So I just wanted to say like, yeah. yes, like it's so powerful. And he particularly is such a powerful voice in this space for it. Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful for podcasts. Like if, if that didn't happen, I would have been, you know, confined to sort of my friend circle at the time. Mm-hmm. And like, you're the reflection of like the people you spend the most time with. Right. Yeah. But with, with podcasts, I think you can get some more influences on your life and perspectives and Absolutely. start to feel comfortable exploring some of these things that you are deeply called to explore, but don't have the friend group that is supportive of it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I had the exact same experience and, and deeply grateful there. Um, but yeah, that led me down to explore it myself. So a couple of years later, or probably a year or so later, I um, had my first ayahuasca journey in Santa Cruz, three three night journey or three day uh, experience retreat where you're drinking Friday night, Saturday, and then Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of, you build up to like a big dose on, on Saturday, and then you kind of have this integration dose experience on Sunday. And it mm. was, this was a year and a half before I started Mudwater. Okay. Um, 
like there wasn't anything about this experience where I went in, like, I want to know my the vision for my next business or anything. Like right. it wasn't like that. Uh, I was very much wanting to, wanting to know, to continue that exploration of surfacing up like who I really am and what I want to bring to the world, like what, what I'm here to do, what, what is my purpose? And yeah, I mean, th- t- we could have a full episode on that experience. I'd actually love to like talk about a couple of subsequent ones too, but like within mm-hmm. that experience, probably the most profound thing that I still take with me today is for the first time feeling the feeling the actual feeling of letting go. So mm. very common thing that people say in psychedelic world or anywhere is just like, let go. Just Surrender. Let go I, and I totally understand the words. I understand the definition. I understand the concept behind it. What happens in like a psychedelic space or what can happen is that you can all of a sudden see these concepts like as actual lived experience. Mm. Um, and so letting go saying I'm going to let go or even sitting in a meditation just like I, I just let go that's like the tip of the iceberg of the actual experience of truly like nothing matters and you are you don't have to do anything you don't even have to like think about not doing anything it's that yeah. deep like yeah you don't even have to think about letting go like the letting go just happens Let, the letting go is all that is happening and um and you're just existing and that's all that matters and everything like okay it's like just how it is like yeah. everything's okay it's fine it's balanced everything yeah that's really always my that's always it. my biggest takeaway too is everything's okay cat what are you stressing about like you're safe yeah. like everything's fine like it takes such weight off of me like every time especially like if i just do a mushroom trip and you know life builds up on us that we just mm-hmm. stuff like little things even if you've got like a practice that's why it's it's almost like a nice like uh it's like a spring clean for the soul yeah. <laughs> you're just like yeah totally. let, me, let me just take some of that weight off real quick let me just get mm-hmm. reminded from the universe in a very experiential way that everything is perfect as it is i'm like, like oh okay <laughs> giving it feels like just giving a bunch of stuff away to like yeah. goodwill or someone in yeah need. yeah so i mean that was a profound experience where i both walked away with this deeper trust in the world, deeper trust in myself and just knowing that like everything is okay. And what whatever I layer on top of that is me layering that on top of that for just experiencing life. And that's that's fine too. Yeah. And and it gave me like a deep gave me a deep connection to my intuition and myself. Like mm. I could I could feel the, these I could feel it. Like when I'm painting or when I'm making a decision, I could like feel what inside is is harmonizing with with that this is reminding me of something you said on an interview you were talking about that you are you consider yourself to be risk tolerant which is so rare right you don't hear a lot of people are risk tolerant most people are very risk averse would you say Mm -hmm. that that risk tolerance really began after that ayahuasca experience where you could let go and just kind of allow Mm. life to be or was that kind of an innate thing for you where you were always allowing yeah, you were always kind of ready to take more of a risk. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that it allowed me to maybe push it further. It allowed me to, um, so there, there are certain things that are, are risks. There's like risking a failure and there's certain things that are like fears, right? And some of those fears are based in risk, like a deep fear of like public speaking, for example, is like maybe that's a, a fear of like the risk of messing up or falling yeah. on your face or being misunderstood, all of those things. And the, that risk is, it's like always going to be there. Like mm-hmm. I could say something completely stupid on this podcast and like <laughs> completely blow it. Right. But I think, uh, overriding that risk is having like trust in, in yourself and your ability and, and trusting that if you just act based off of your, your deeper wisdom, like it'll, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, yes, I started to explore my, you know, lack of confidence in certain situations and all of these things. And ultimately, the the aggregation of all of that allowed me to start the company. Whereas before, there was no way. Like when I was just, I was a, I was a really, I was excelling design, but I was holding myself back in a lot of ways as a leader mm-hmm. in every company that I worked at because mm-hmm. I just was like, I just don't know if I'm, you know, worthy of speaking up here, even though I had an idea or even like in some cases had this solution to the problem everyone was talking about in like a boardroom setting. But I was just like. Oh, I just don't feel confident to like take yeah. the room and, and, uh, and express this. And I was just, I was so frustrated. And even when earlier on in 
back in 2015, one of my, my uh, managers pulled me aside and was just like, you're the most talented person I've worked with who doesn't know it. Like you have no, you don't know it, um, oh, which was like, oh, that's a compliment for sure. But it's also, it's a criticism because he saw that I was holding myself back Yeah. Um, w- through self-belief. And I was just like, I've always, I think about that a lot. It's like, he's an angel for you. Just let, let it go, let go. Right. Yeah. And really trust um, that what's, what's inside is, is worthy of, of being received. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that experience was deeply transformative, but the, the impact happens as like a trickle effect throughout the rest of my life. And, mm-hmm. uh, once I, once I started the company, um, and it started to take off and I was able to, to close some investment through some big investors, but also friends and family, I actually went back to grandmother ayahuasca again, as like, a as, as like a calling for an ally, mm-hmm. uh, at that point, I was like, there's something really special here. Early on, it was really easy to see that this was different. And I had friends and advisors who'd worked in business and one of them joined as a co-founder because he was just like, this is going to work. This doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. it's going to work. And then once I started to get support from, you know, family members with their capital, they're not oh. like rich, right? Yeah. I was, I felt a deep responsibility to them, mm-hmm. but I also felt a deep responsibility to myself to find this company's potential and to do it the right way mm-hmm. and and i didn't feel like i could do that by just relying on my intellect yeah by yeah, just yeah, yeah. my default mode network by my brain mm-hmm. like for me to actually do that i needed to rely on something much deeper again kind of woo woo but like i really believe that underneath our intellect even our own instincts is like this deeper intelligence. It's, Absolutely. You know, I'm looking at this plant right here. It's like, what, what is guiding that plant to grow yeah. insects in the world, our, our lungs to breathe, our heart to beat. There's, there's something there. There's um, a and connected that's what tissue. I it's mm-hmm. like connected so, to, I mean, divine source, God, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. I wanted to align with that as I, right when I started the company so that as the company grew and we navigated crazy stuff, um, growth and personal development, all of these things, like it's the most insane personal growth experience I've had as this company, but I've always had that tether to that wisdom. And to kick that off, I did a three month ayahuasca dieta. Actually, it was like a microdosing dieta. Oh, where interesting. I was, yeah. So I was microdosing the ayahuasca uh, liquid every morning, just like a small, small amount, and then had a meditation practice, journaling practice, mm-hmm. and had a really clean diet for three months to kind of just let everything like weave into my being this. And yeah, I I think you probably could say this is true too. Like most plant medicine work, even if it's intense during the experience, the majority of the work happens in like the years after as it's being integrated, but also integrated through daily practice and new patterns in your life and all of these things. So you you can't really put a finger on like it happened then. It's very rare, like a fork in the road. And so that's how that experience has been for me, where it's just been this like tether that I, I recall and I think about mm. often and in stressful situations at a company or we're deciding where to go in the future, it's big decisions. Yeah. Um, I try to remember that that wisdom is there. On the it, During that ceremony that you were kind of leading up to, that kind of like culmination ceremony, did you get a sense from grandmother ayahuasca that she's, that you were safe ultimately? Like this is it, like that you were where you needed to be like did it give you a sense uh was there anything very like tangible that you can recall from that experience that actually had to do with mud water or was it just like you can always call on me shane you can always call on yourself is really what it is right she's part of us so is was there something where you're just like an aha moment or was it just the i'm always here for you moment so the the first ayahuasca experience with like the big journey on saturday night and whatnot was before mud water and that was the most like intense but most beautiful and dense experience in my entire life it was a big dose and probably like six seven hours because you're doing we drink like three cups throughout like not three full cups but three separate servings so you're basically just prolonging the experience and so it was a long a long night and it was challenging in that it was like just dense like the amount of information and the amount of different things that were going on, it just was like, whoa, exhausting, yeah. but immensely beautiful. Uh, and 
that was like that letting go experience. But I mean, there was so much to that. Like, it was just like this deep state of just like lying back and not needing to do anything and just being sort of like a witness to this healing where I was having visions of this <laughs> like source soul in me mm-hmm. seeing that and then seeing these like tethers to how that was showing up in the real world. And some of those tethers mm-hmm. were going to these kind of like shields that were like blocking the real world from coming in and actually seeing that soul. And some of it was actually showing up wow. um, in the real world. And, and I could like navigate, like, why is that shield there? Like, why not just show all this? Cause in that state of mind, I was like, this is amazing. Like what, what is there to fear? Like just show it up. And it's like, well, well this happened. Yeah. Have you ever painted that? Have you ever painted that type (laughs) of an image? That would be dope. Just like to see the the source shield tethers and I don't know, I'm not obviously going to get, not given artists and ideas, but it just made me think like that would be a cool art piece. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a a bad idea. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that, that vision, that state, it was, I was in that space for like, five hours it was like this healing medicine space where it felt like I was in sort of this almost like a translucent cocoon type thing and there was almost like a the feeling of a presence over here on my left mm. and it was just going through my body like I could navigate through it was bringing up different different things and almost like these like little like quizzes of like is this scary no it's like <laughs> oh it's fine it's totally fine and you're just like it's like this process of letting go through small stories and analogies and riddles and you're just like boom it's like popping and that's letting go and that's letting go and you're just like I'm like laughing and kind of like crying and just like like there's just so (laughs) much such a release I think yeah and so really like the ah like there wasn't like an aha moment it was just all ah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. I, I was in awe the whole time and uh was how soon yeah. after the ah uh, moment like so you come out of ayahuasca when did you start to actually ground when did you actually say i'm gonna actually release this to the public how soon after that experience yeah so that that experience happened and then i um i was you know i was drinking this drink but i wasn't there was no business yet like this is in 2017 probably mm-hmm. 16 17 around new year's and I started doing some coaching work with uh, with like a life coach where we were just continuing to explore. I was like all of a sudden had this confidence to go and like be like, what else is there to learn? I really want to cool. step into my truth, step into myself. Into the year long engagement with this amazing life coach, we were doing a bunch of processing there, and I started to incorporate like a breath work routine into my morning ritual. I was doing like these weird practices, like like eye gazing in the mirror, which mm-hmm. is like sounds really weird but just try it like just stare at yourself in the oh, mirror for it. five minutes and see, oh, how, no, see how that goes <laughs> i feel like i've done it and i was like morphing i thought i saw yeah, myself totally. like becoming like different people i was like what is happening yeah. here i was having actually a very psychedelic experience last time my eye gazed so <laughs> i wasn't yeah, actually so, on a psychedelic but i was having a psychedelic experience doing it yeah so sort of like a year of integration or so from that experience and then all of a sudden the i guess both the aha moment for mudwater and the like the business the aha moment where like I, there's a business here there, there's, there's there's an opportunity to create value in the world here but then there was the simultaneous aha moment of like and you totally can do it oh that's beautiful yeah because you hadn't yeah, done anything which, like that before which is that's where that deeper trust comes from you're like and you can do 100%. it and you're like wait i've never done anything like this I have, I'm making it, I'm putting out a package good. Mm-hmm. Like what was the process? Like, who, that? Who, am, who am I to do that? Like <sighs> that, you, that question, like you can't do it. Like you're not yeah. good enough. You, like you need help. You need someone to help. And I was just like, no, I can, like, I can do this all on my own. And wow. I just, I did for the first while. It was just like so fun. It was so empowering. I took my computer, coded a website, designed the packaging branding, like really quick. I was just like an unleashed animal. It was so fun. It felt like I felt like a painting d- does, but for, for a business, like it wow. was wild. Just pure yeah. flow state, just pure. That's, mm-hmm. That to me is where when you can feel like universal energy, when you're channeling that kind of nonstop creative energy into yeah. something, to That's me, the that spot. is the way that the universe speaks to you and says, yes, 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 mm-hmm. you're going in the right direction. I yeah. always lived my life and I was always when I was doing other things before – 
starting to use my voice and start my podcast and all this stuff, I was always hitting roadblocks because everything I was doing, even though there was, I needed to, to do all the steps, right? I needed everything in yeah. my life to land here to be able to do this, but I wasn't in where I was supposed to be. I thought I was going to be like an agent at CAA at one point, like way off of what I'm doing now. And it was like yeah. life had no flow. It had no of that. Like, yes. I mean, look, there's good moments, of course, but like not until I know for myself with this, have I had like days of just that nonstop, just life force energy. That's like, you're going in the right direction. That's what it feels like. It feels different. It's different. It's a different frequency. <laughs> yeah. It's different. Yeah. So I just, I took that in and just started running with it and I had finally had the confidence to embrace it. I was no longer the the talented designer who didn't knew it who didn't know it. I was like, maybe I am like capable of some things. And, and I started to see where that took me and, and yeah, it led me, led me here. And so it's been, it's been an amazing journey so far. And in so many ways, I'm just like, still feel like we're right at the beginning too. Yeah, um, you are. So it, yeah. It's, uh, it's really fun. And, and I mean, there, there's a lot to talk about too, like how we're contributing to, to mental health and, and whatnot. So yeah, we're, we're just at the beginning stages to a very big thing and, and hopefully contributing at least some way to a, a really big problem. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. That's so yeah. dope. So what, what is next for Mudwire? Are you guys launching anything new? You're, you're just talking, you're saying very briefly that you're working with companies. It's just, give us a little something about what's, what's, 2022 for Mudwater. What are you looking at? What are you looking at personally for yourself? What's exciting? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So with with Mudwater, I mean, over the last year, we've grown immensely, both from like a customer standpoint, but also from an employee standpoint. Mm -hmm. So last year at this time, we were like six full time employees. Now we're 22, soon to be like close to 30. Damn. And so there's a lot of just growth happening both in how we serve customers, but also how we serve our, our team and our people. And mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to really change what it means to, to work, um, like how a company can contribute to someone's life beyond just a paycheck, yes. because regardless of their knowing it, um, when you're, when you're committing, you know, eight hours a day of your life for five days a week, you are committing a part of your your spiritual well being, your emotional well being, obviously your physical well being, and then of course your mental state too. Yeah. And so a company should be acknowledging all of that, mm -hmm. and I think it can. And by doing so, I think it's also in the best interest of the company too. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're trying to do a lot of that. I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, we do everything from give people access to a functional medicine doctor to every employee gets an aura ring. We have coaching. Nice. We support microdosing at work. Like there's just like so much there. So that's on, on that side, on more of like the business side where we're developing new products that we're going to launch. So I'm going to keep under wraps. Um, we're continuing to improve the channels that we offer through. So to date, it's like all online, but now we're launching in a lot of cafes and then we're actually opening our own space in LA uh, in two months, which you'll be able to come and check out that will be um, definitely a cafe, but also more of an event space. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll host breath work, meditation, bring your own psychedelic music parties, like Love things it. like that. BYOS uh, <laughs> or BYOP or, or M. Um, <laughs> yeah. So super exciting there. Um, and then on a personal level, I'm, or my partner and I having a baby in a month. Oh my, in a month? Yeah. First one? Yeah. Oh my God. Congratulations. 2022. Yeah. That's a big <laughs> year. Yeah. It's going to, that's going to be a, that's going to be a whole other journey, but you know what? You're uh, setting yeah. yourself up in such a beautiful way. Look, the, the way Mudwater to me is, is psychedelic, right? What you just described is a psychedelic way of moving through the world of, going against what the cultural norm is, right, around uh, just work culture, right? Just, you know, you work and you grind and whatever and you get out. Like, it sounds like you're really fostering uh, an experience for people spiritually and and that has, like, balance and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful space now to figure out what does it look like to have kids? Like, what does that yeah, look like? Because that's father. another component yeah. now, right? Like, you're going to have more totally. employees that are going to be coming that – might have their own young kids or whatever and try to figure out like, okay, what does daycare look like? What is whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> now you're going to cool. be living it real time. Yeah. It's going to be, going to be very interesting. We actually had two employees, two other employees had kids this year 
or in the last 10 months. And so, yeah, I'm joining, joining the club. Love and, it. Uh, taking part of our, our awesome parental leave policy, which would be cool. <laughs> taking a little breather. As you should. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much, so much happening. It's all exciting, but also just a lot of growth happening too. Yeah. Yeah. The personal side. So cool. Are you, are you still getting time to paint? A little bit. Yeah. Like, um, when I'm starting to incorporate it more and more in with some of our, our creative, our marketing strategy, which is, which is obviously the, the easiest way to create time for of it. Course. So that's cool. Shane, what a pleasure it was to talk to you to hear about the journey, the surprise of the journey. I think this is so exciting for people just to hear a story like that, because when we like, what's the thing? Like when you're, when you're busy making plans, like the life happens oh, or whatever, yeah. like you're going to go where you're meant to go. And the, 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 the surprise in which the world can dazzle us if we stay open, because I'm sure if you thought consumer product good, you would never have understood it from that. You were just aligning, you kept aligning to what that was. And now you're creating what you want to see in the world through your company. Like that's so fucking dope. And I hope a lot of people get inspired by that who are on the entrepreneurial path because it sounds like, I mean, and I know for myself too, passion and and belief and value. Like, are you bringing value to the world? And mm -hmm. that alignment uh, seems to seems to get the support out here from the from the ether. Yeah, yeah, so. authentic expression. Seems yeah. to get the support from the ether for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited for the place to open up. So I'll come and have a glass of mud water and bring some psychedelic music <laughs> come on down. and uh, yeah, yeah. I'd meet you in person. I'm looking forward to All it. Right. Likewise. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, you got it. And for everyone, as always, trip on this. <laughs>